0: Welcome to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show or minor streaming live on Sportsnet C2 channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. It has come for the weekly Alex Wong Takes a Day Off Day. Um, so he's at home producing, um, leaving me alone in the studio. However, I still have uh, two close friends coming on the show uh, for today's program. First up, we have Vivek Jacob of... Raptors.com. What's up, V? Big game t- today in the Prem. Are you excited?
1: Oh, I'm hyped, man. I'm ready to do the preview. City versus Arsenal. Let's go.
0: Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought you were talking about uh, Liverpool versus West Ham. You know, <laughs> Trent, Alexander, Arnold moving into the midfield against, uh, you know, um, Bus Mati Rice got those over top there. Four hopes. <laughs> I mean, uh, fringe. I would say they're fringe right now. No, I'm kidding. obviously see uh, a huge matchup coming up uh, in the Prem. I mean, you got to finish above Tottenham, right? I mean, it's 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 looking good. It's looking good these days. Uh, on that front. <laughs> Why? Wow! That is savage from Derek. That he, he, is savage. He plays this all the time. The thing is, sometimes he'll play the extended clip too. It's it's uh it's it's ridiculous. Um. Okay. So, V, this is what uh this is what Alex sent to you is 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 uh my ten things column, um. I've essentially just broken it up um, into two parts. Uh, I'll go through one of the parts with you, and then on the second half of the program, I going to go through it with Savannah as well. Um, but before we get to uh, the, the 10 things uh, on the Raptors season, just wanted to pass along uh, some news and notes. So, uh, Otto Porter Jr. has officially picked up his uh, $6.3 million player option for the 2023 2024 season. Um, you know, we'll see when he returns and is able to get back on the court after suffering uh the the toe injury um yeah v where what was your reaction to this news when you saw that that shams alert hit yesterday
1: yeah i think it makes sense uh oh it definitely know, makes uh, sense from uh, autos <laughs> perspective <laughs> the- yeah exactly <laughs> and so i i think he'll look at mm-hmm. um you know this upcoming season as a chance to just move away from what happened last year um I'm sure on some level he was waiting to see what uh, how things played out uh, from a coaching perspective, and uh, now I think uh, you know it opens things up for the front office as well, you know, to use as a trade ship or whatever it might be uh, mm. in the summer, right? And we'll see where the relationship is at in that regard. Yeah. But you know, the theory of Otto Porter uh, was great. It's just we just never actually saw it (laughs) on the court for long enough. And so uh, the Raptors, as we know, need all the shooters they can get. And so if he can act, and this is the thing, it's always going to be ifs when you talk about Otto Porter. If he can be healthy, then it's you know a good piece for the rotation to have.
0: Yeah. No, um, look, for the eight games that he played, I I thought um, he did bring contributions. Um, And obviously the the three-point shooting is something that this team badly lacks. Um, but at the, the same bar time, is
1: very low for the bench.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, I'm also just very curious. Like, does does he even want to come back in this scenario? Obviously, he picked up the option. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to come back. Um, so we'll, we we should yep. we will see. We we will see at the trade deadline. I did believe my official stance was I was willing to take a top fifty uh, five protected pick. Um, for him so we will see how it goes but uh, yeah if, if you look I, as you mentioned the theory of him on the team makes sense uh, unfortunately other injury news to pass along so Kawhi Leonard um, uh, obviously mm. didn't play for a significant portion of uh, the series between the Suns and the Clippers uh, it started off so promising the first two games were like just exhilarating basketball and then the games are still fairly close you know credit to guys like Norm credit to guys like honestly Mason Plumley, you know Bones Heinlein Eric Gordon you know, Russell Westbrook, these yep. guys obviously made a game of it. But, like, obviously, um, the Suns were going to roll. So that series is over. They got eliminated last night. Um, and, yeah, it was reported that Kawhi has a uh, torn meniscus. Obviously, we, we know that, um, obviously, Kawhi is a very important figure here in Toronto, even after he's moved on. But it, it's, it's just such a shame. What, what was your reaction hearing that news? Yeah, it's really sad. I think, you know, for me, the reality...
1: Felt like we are never going to see him in a full postseason again. Like to take the time that he took to get right, to have that ramp up period after the all-star break where he's playing all these games. um, I was surprised that, you know, that that one time he did play in the back to back as well, both ends of it. I was like, this seems unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, you know, to have that ramp up period to have the games one and two that he did to be hit with this now like I tweeted this I think you might be in a uh, stage of his career now where he might need low management in the playoffs too and so what that will never you know, fly out. that's
0: just not gonna fly
1: no but Sorry. H- how would teams evaluate that right in terms of his value yeah. in terms of his next contract all Ooh. of that but again you have this player whose ceiling is right there with anyone right but when he is going I will uh, and I said this too. If you just take that peak version of Kawhi, put them put it across peak LeBron, peak KD, peak Giannis, peak Steph, he's mm-hmm. right there with all of them. And so I am absolutely certain that teams would still see value if you if you were to say, "Hey, we can get Kawhi for like four or five games of a seven-game series." you're still taking that, but I think it comes down to what value to you, do you apply to that now? Yeah. So if he, is he a guy now that is always just going to play, you know, 50 games in the regular season, plus whatever he gives you in the playoffs, like how do you manage that? And, and, you know, the contract maybe bears out from there, but I don't know if you can trust him to just go game after game in any setting, whether it's regular season or playoffs
0: anymore. Mm. That's a, that's such a shame. Um, Cause as you mentioned, like, you know, Kawhi has a legitimate case to be like the best playoff performer in the game, um, but he just obviously has not been able to stay healthy. Um, to your point about like even though managing uh, in the playoffs, like I just think that how would you even manage a locker room with that situation, right? Like I th- I think that from us as fans, like we look at it, like or as media, like we look at it, like Kawhi obviously is a is a cut above. He he's deserving of this extra treatment because you'll put up with it um so long as you get that a level production which we know is super rare however um i think from the players perspective most players feel like they're essentially not they're Kawhis and they're as good as Kawhi, but you know they're expecting to be treated like first class with everything um and i think when you have a player who's given every single exception like that i feel like it does i don't know i i don't say it corrodes the locker room but i i just got to you got to have a really super strong like culture you know what i mean to be able to sustain that i but, think
1: that's where it comes down to the contract i think that's where you can you can't give him like a supermax and say that you know he can just load manage throughout yeah, right that's fair i think this is where you know you probably draw the line on what his contract looks like mm-hmm. um and i think you have to have structures in place where you say okay you know you're no longer in that category where we can validate giving you the supermax. And so uh you know how how much are you willing to come down from that? Yeah. And then I think if he wasn't like the highest paid player on the team, then you know I th- I think maybe in the locker room that sits a bit better. But I think it's a shame that I mean we're having these types of conversations, right? Like clearly he is at, when he's on the floor, he's one of the best players in the game. He's one of the best players of this generation. Yeah and you know to look back now on 2019 and think that that might be the best extended playoff run the last best extended playoff run that we've seen of him mm-hmm. is amazing
0: that it happened here in toronto but sad it's it's very sad because I, i'm just looking at his career like um uh, the 16 17 season that year which was essentially the last year he played for the spurs the following year he played nine games but obviously you know he wasn't really there um mm-hmm. That season, he was up for MVP. I think he ended up being third behind uh, Harden and, I believe, Westbrook. Um, he was genuinely incredible. We saw that throughout the playoffs as well until he got injured, uh, you know, with, with Zaza sliding under his foot. That, he was 26 years old at that time. He's now 30 uh, – how old is he? 31? Um, he's Yeah, he's going to turn yeah, 32 in, like, two months. So, over the yeah. summer, he's going to be 32, like – that's such a long time of your career to sort of be in and out. And the only healthy period in between all of that is the 2018-19 season. Exactly. No, his whole prime has just been like... Be your physically prime. Yeah, the whole prime has just not really been there except for 2019. Obviously, the load management system helped. But, like, he was able to play through all 16 games of the playoffs. We saw him play through some injuries, you know, as a member of the Raptors. You know, ultimate respect for that. Um, the following year, uh, that was the bubble, he was actually fairly healthy for the clippers that year and including he played in the playoffs he just got bounced and blew a 3-1 lead but the two playoff runs since then and 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 that sandwich in between the 2021 2022 season where he just missed the entire year with the torn acl he hasn't been able to play finish those playoff runs and it's just like man it's it's i mean we're we're getting, you're, you're exactly like the whole prime essentially is is starting to to really go for him so it's such a shame, but um yeah, moving on to the, the 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 Raptors topics that uh we had for today. So, um this is one of the two parts of the 10 things column. This one um uh, that we sent you was 10 things with Nick Nurse fired Masai Jerry now becomes the focus uh with the Raptors and uh we'll we'll start with the Nick portion of this. Um we we've sort of talked about the coaching thing so much uh over the last two weeks here, but I just wanted to hear from you like in your assessment of it after seeing all the fallout and all the reporting and obviously all the stuff that you've sort of seen just being around the team and stuff like that were you surprised by this news and and has there any has there been anything that's come out since that has uh, caught you by surprise
1: um i was not surprised by the news uh, i think you know when you looked at the delay in masai speaking to the media obviously he wanted to not have a repeat of what happened with Dwayne Casey, right? Where he did the end of season presser back Dwayne Casey, then comes out a few days later and he's like, well, Dwayne Casey's gone. Um, so I think he wanted to be clear uh, about the vision going forward. Um, and I think when you look at the comments that have been made, um, it it did come off as if Nick Nurse was a bit of a lame duck down the stretch where I think on both sides, they knew that he was moving on. That probably leads to uh, those comments that he made in Philly. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the final nail, right? Like, yeah. again, the, it was unprompted for him to just come out and say that, uh, was a bad sign and everything that played out from there, uh, you know, was in line with that. And so I think now you're in a situation where obviously, Emeo Doka has made his decision and, mm-hmm. Uh, You probably wait to see how the rest of this first round plays out and see what the fallout is. And hopefully a few candidates open up. We'll see what happens with uh, Ty Lue, with the Clippers. Uh, Already thanking, you know, the front office and Steve Ballmer. Mm. But uh, uh, yeah, I I think now, you know, you've got the biggest takeaway is that you need to reset the culture, right? And I think the things that sort of leaked out with Nick Nurse um, you know, I, I think that is someone who maybe just didn't care for the consequences anymore. Right. And, uh, I, I think he was just going to go about his business and whatever the fallout was, he was comfortable with. We, mm-hmm. we saw even Michael Grange write about it. it's not like Nick Nurse was like desperately trying to hang on to his job, uh, you know, that final week when they are having the discussions, right. Yeah. Like, all right, you're moving on. I'll move on too. No problem.
0: No, I get that from a human perspective. I really do. I mean, even when you think back on the comments that he did make in Philly, like, um, I, I, my sense of it is like, even Masai was like, look, listen, Nick, we're going to have to evaluate your future at the end of the year. And Nick, Masa- and then Nick's like, all right, I guess I'll say that publicly to the media. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's one of those like break up with you before the other thing kind of uh, drops. But, um, yeah, I just think that, you know, when, when you think about some of the problems, because obviously we see some of the success stories um, with, with Nick as a coach, right? But I think um, mm-hmm. we, we saw some of the things that, you know, players sort of discussed um, either on or off the record, sort of like why so many public call outs, um, sort of communicating through uh, the press. You know, a lot of the players didn't really see time on the court, didn't really get an opportunity to play. Um, how did that affect their buy-in and their morale, in the locker room. We saw a couple of things with assistant coaches. I looked into that just a little bit further. I, I don't think it was as dramatic as it was. That Yes, there was that one incident with Earl, but I think they actually patched it up uh, from that point onward. But ultimately, like, there were there were definitely some concerns with the coaching staff itself. Um, and then, of course, I think probably more than anything else is just, like, a lot of players had very unclear roles. This is sort of what their jobs were on the team, which did make it very difficult to assess sort of their performances. So I guess my question is, like, is We see this uh, pattern in, in, in football all the time, right? You you let go of one manager, the next manager comes in, takes an entirely different approach. So is that what the Raptors need? Do we need someone to take a very different approach than what Nick took?
1: I think so. I, I don't think you can come in with the same approach uh, because then players are just going to look at it and say, okay, what, what was all of this for, you know? And so I think... Uh, you know a fresh perspective in terms of strategy, a fresh perspective in terms of how to handle the locker room um and fresh perspective in how you deal with the media, right? And so I think those are the big things. Uh I think absolutely, you know, even if even if it's subtle changes, right? Like when we talk about the players getting called out publicly, even if the new coach were to come in, if they were to just make sure that they have that conversation in private first. Yeah. Then it comes off very differently once you do that and then go to the public. Sure. And so uh, I think even subtle changes like that can make a difference. Um, obviously, my preference uh, in terms of coach and in terms of players is always hey, you keep everything in the locker room. Whatever you need to say, you can say to the person directly. And if you can't do that, um, then that's probably a bad sign. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that would be my preference uh, in a head coach. Um, And, you know, in terms of especially building that unity and that trust right now, Mm -hmm. I think that would probably be the best way to go. Uh, And I think if players saw that, that's how you can build a relationship. And then, you know, from there, you can build out onto, you know, uh, your other philosophies and whatnot.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And um, by the way, Chris Boucher um, on the Hustle Play podcast um, over at Yahoo Sports Canada, we reference it all the time on this show. Um, but he had a really, really great episode. Uh, as always, you know, Chris was pretty forthcoming about um, sort of where he was at with the season. And uh, he had this clip about sort of bringing back that Raptors culture that um, Masai talked about so much in his press conference. Here's that clip.
2: I mean, I think when they say change, is just bringing back what it was before. Um, if you look at Toronto basketball and the guys that were here and all that, like, guys used to, like, you know, I feel like they – work extremely hard and like even if like you didn't have the best talent in the league like you would definitely find a way to be one of the best teams and collectively you would be the best you know you would make players look amazing but i think that we lost that a little bit just by you know like like Messiah said man a little bit of selfishness for sure i think that um um we definitely got caught up into um you know whatever the media was saying obviously after the first seat that we had we all felt good um thinking that next year we we're gonna do something and we didn't. And um I think we needed that reality to check to realise that we need to get better. Um, not just as a team, but event, eventually. I think everybody needs to, to to work on their game, like me, me, everybody off the bench, just so we could do something off off of it too. But
0: Yeah. Um V, I mean, what's your reaction when you hear that? Because to me, that's that's pretty damning. I, I think two things really stick out. It's the, the needing the reality check after buying into the hype last year. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other portion about getting that identity back where it's, it's hard work above all else. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that
1: you associate with this team over the last decade was that the whole was always greater than the sum of its parts. And so when you watch this season play out and even when masai is saying i did not enjoy watching this team that was very evident right Mm -hmm. that it was always just you know the individual sums never actually coalescing together to create something that was bigger than themselves and so um i think it's great that you know you're at a point now where you recognize that everyone recognizes that uh and it needs to change and you know I, i think the biggest thing i'll say now is when you get rid of the coach The onus is on the players now. And when they see that, they should recognize that, okay, this is not something that is going to be tolerated. Masai said, hey, the players who commit to that type of style will stay and the ones who don't will go. The onus is on the players now. Mm -hmm. The the coach cannot be used as an excuse uh, as valid as it was. And now... The players have to show that brand of basketball that shows togetherness, that shows spirit, uh, that shows that this Raptors culture, that this season was an anomaly to
0: what the Raptors culture usually is. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, So two players sort of who had a lot of potential, a lot of hype coming into the season, but I think were fairly disappointing. Um, Gary Trent Jr. and Precious Achua. Um, I want to start with Gary. Gary. you know, look, he he had good moments. There's no doubt. I think there are skills that he brings uh, most notably with shooting and even the ability to get to your shot uh, individually that I think that are premium skills uh, that this roster doesn't have uh, in, mm-hmm. in excess of. However, he was also benched twice, and I felt like his defense regressed from where it was at at the start of last season. Do you see a future here for Gary? And then we'll move on to Precious. Uh,
1: with the way things played out, at the end of the season, I'm not sure that I do. Um, But, you know, in terms of the way the Raptors have operated in the past, Mm -hmm. I could see them leaning towards saying, hey, we can at least try and maintain having this player who will have value to other teams and try to recoup something more along the lines of what we want. Okay, Uh, I think with Gary, with Gary, what's happened this season, uh, you know, I think some of the deflection and steal stuff from last season was probably overhyped. Uh, you know, when Chris Boucher talks about, you know, things being overhyped, that's probably one thing mm. uh, that I would list for Gary individually. Um and I think he was a lot more exposed this season, partly also because Fred Van Vliet, as an all-, all defender uh declined. Mm. And so I, I think when you have those issues at the point of attack across both your guard positions, um, then it becomes that much more exacerbated. And so I think uh, that is something that the Raptors have to look at the on ball defense. uh, You know, you're only as switchable as the positions you can guard. Right. And I think we saw this uh, with Scotty too, when he was put up uh, at the point of attack, he wasn't great at keeping guys in front. Right. And so that was a clear point. I think to me, that is something that you have to look at this off season and address. And so, um, if you maintain the status quo with Fred and Gary um, as your backcourt, I think that would be a major concern.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, Defensively, I I noted in the piece that the ending of last season and the ending of this season was very similar. In Game 6, the Sixers specifically targeted Gary Trent Jr. on defense uh, with James Mm -hmm. Harden in the pick and roll, and that really allowed the Sixers to really spiral and get into a huge lead in the second half and cl- close out that series and then um, In the playing game Gary didn't see that much time But when he was on the floor the Bulls immediately like literally as soon as he touched the floor Targeted him on defense and I do think that you know, yes, his skills are good in terms of the shooting But you need to add a secondary skill like and, and I think that that's probably why he got sent to the second unit Um by the way, all these comments, uh, we 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 will not be mentioning them when Gary Trent Senior comes on the show this Friday <laughs> in studio, baby. Can't wait. No, I'm kidding. I, I will I will raise those as well. Um, I think for precious, like uh, another young player who um, wasn't it Trent Senior who said that though. Did he say that? Like you, uh, uh,
1: I, I I no. I, I mean, in terms of defending, he, I specifically remember him <laughs> saying, "You uh-huh. are what you
0: can defend." Right. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You're right. So. By the way, I, I I only joke about that because I, I think for senior, like my sense is he, he's pretty like he's not going to be soft on his son and be like, oh, I want to shield him from criticism. Like, no, right. I, if anything else, you're a sucker. Yeah, exactly. It, it's the <laughs> other approach. So I respect Gary a lot. I'm looking forward to, to speaking with him again in studio. um Yeah. So uh, Precious is is the other player that I thought would take a step forward this year. Didn't really happen for him. I still think he's the second best prospect on the team. Um, And I want to ask if sort of you still see that um, and if there are any sort of small marginal improvements you saw from Precious this year, despite the fact that he objectively had a pretty disappointing season.
1: Yeah, I would agree that he is the second best prospect on the team just because you look at his age, you look at uh, the potential. Again, the ceiling that he has is very tantalizing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm when we talk about switchable defenders, he is literally switchable one through five. Right. Um, And so I think that is the temptation with him. That is what's so appealing about him. And it's really a question of his offense getting to a point where, you know, he, he isn't such an overwhelming negative. And obviously we had high hopes with the three point shot after what we saw in the second half of last season, after the all-star break, but you know, he, he shot 27% for this season um, in terms of attacking the basket. Like there was some progress uh, with the free throw shooting. He was 60% last year. He's up to 70% now. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully that continues to trend in the right direction because over the three seasons, that's something that has consistently gone up. 50, 60, now 70. Um, and yeah, I think confidence was a big issue down the stretch. And you could just see he didn't have that same swagger, that same attitude. Uh, I think that was what really stood out to me because last season, even when he was struggling, like every game he would come out and play with this force, right? Yeah. For for better or worse, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and so to see him sort of continually get more timid, that is something uh, that showed me that he had just completely lost his confidence. And hopefully, you know, this is a chance for him to just reset, go to work this summer and hopefully have the season that many w- were expecting coming into this one
0: yeah he is by the way like one of those guys that consistently when you go to practice you and i go to practice and, and they open the doors and everything like that precious works man he, he's yep. just continuously there like there's there's very few games where or very few days when he was healthy where you got into practice and you didn't see him working out it's like the cor- section of the court that's like right beside where the reporters scrum anyway um, so it's you can't miss him, but uh, he he does put in the work. So I, I definitely trust that, uh, you know, he'll eventually put it together. But I, I think maybe even just looking at the roster as a whole, and I think that, um, you know, my last two points were really just like, look, the Raptors clearly had a super big lack of shooting, right? You, the, the league average for shooting this season for three-point shooting across the league averaged 37.7%. The Raptors had one guy who was above that in OG Anobi and he was at 38.7. So essentially average, like, the fact that the whole team was average or below average from shooting threes is just such a disappointing thing to see in a modern game. And I feel like in addition to that being a vital guard skill that the Raptors just didn't have a lot of, they didn't have a lot of guys who can really handle and sort of get downhill either. So I think to me, there's there, there has to be serious questions looked at in terms of like, what are Masai and Bobby building here? And when they had the decision at the trade deadline, when there were four games under 500 and they had an opportunity to pivot in the other direction, move some pieces, um, and, and and tank. By the way, if they did that, there would be so little heat on the front office right now. It's, it's actually kind of funny. It, it's, it would be very, very funny uh, if they had just literally waved the white flag. I think everyone would still mm. be pretty happy with the front office and understanding of the decision. But because they chose to sort of buy in and, and add Yakapurtle, I do wonder, like, okay, so now you actually have the onus to make this a winning product. And to me, this summer for, for Messiah and Bobby, I'm really curious to see like how they get out of this too, because from the outside and obviously we are not nearly as like creative or, um, you know, insightful and all that kind of stuff as as they are. But on the, on the surface, what it looks like is the Raptors have uh, either to let go of three key like starters and assets on the team in free agency, or you buy into this whole group again. And, you know, even though that probably is the more pragmatic thing to do, it's definitely not the sexy thing to do. It doesn't necessarily create a lot of excitement when we're like, all right, we're going to bring back the same group that that just disappointed you this past season. So what do you think they're going to do in the offseason? Because to me, they they kind of box themselves in. They have really only one choice.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, they've dug themselves a hole. You're in a position where you don't want to... Con- continue the trend that you've had since the championship where you've lost key players for nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, you want to bring back whether it's to continue a long-term relationship or to at least maintain asset value to trade them later, you Mm -hmm. want to bring back all three of, uh, you know, Fred, Yak and Gary, uh, and then how do you sort of make adjustments from there? I think that's where I was a little concerned. With Masai's presser, okay, because I think there were multiple times like you could just poke holes in what he was saying because he was almost speaking to both sides of the conversation. Yeah, um, like for example, when he said, "You know what's what's really the difference between forty-one wins and forty-eight wins?" Well, I mean, forty-eight wins would have got you the fifth seed, and you would have been playing the Cavs right now, and. You talked about how you want to get scotty playoff experience you want to get precious playoff experience so now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you threw that out the window um if you didn't care about getting the 48 wins why didn't you go for like 35 wins yeah and get yourself in position for like a top eight pick and so i think those things i look at and say because because you remember that trip when you know they had the two games against washington Um, they played the Clippers, the the Lakers, the Nuggets. Everyone viewed that as a huge, you know, swing point for the season. Mm -hmm. And they went one and four on that trip. And you're like, you know what? They were 32 and 36. And you're like, maybe, maybe just let go of the rope, right? And so if you had the concerns that you had, where Masai has already admitted that it was early as late November that he felt something was off, why did they still continue this push?
0: Yeah. I mean that's and the so, thing. Yeah.
1: Sorry, and so ahead. that's where I'm like I don't really know what way they're leaning at this point. And so that is what makes me concerned. Um because they kind of just went about this season and let things play out without really just having a definitive stance. Um and now you're stuck again with this off-season where you literally have to be perfect. Just to be good again
0: yeah by the way um if 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 the front office buys into the same group and mostly just comes back with a coach a new coach and some minor tweaks I do feel like I mean first off it, it there it is unlikely that it's just gonna fix everything but I mean there's a chance where some of the young guys you put them in new roles you get more production out of them like i I, I can see it like I, I I don't think that's likely I wouldn't predict that as likely but I can see the path to that. If that is the case, whoever is getting hired here in Toronto will have a great chance of winning coach of the year because that that essentially is <laughs> a great path forward for a new coach. But anyway, um, well, I don't think you want to win coach of the year here because uh, that <laughs> probably means you're getting fired soon. would be the would be the fourth one of a uh, let go under Masai. <laughs> the worst <laughs> thing to do in Toronto. You're right. Exactly right. To win coach of the year. Um, all right. V. Well, listen, Um I'd love to go through some of the finer points, but uh, I'm gonna call up Savannah after this break but uh before we go um you know we we've obviously invited you to a season ending thank you dinner uh for the raptor show me and Alex um and I don't know if you got my text but there's a there's a karaoke portion afterwards too, so would you like to put in a karaoke song request right now live on air
1: um you know what my usual go to yeah is uh getting jiggy with it Will Smith okay. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will roll with that
0: oh okay all right i will add it to the rundown
1: but uh i will quickly say um you know thank you for all your support uh, in terms of having me on the show this season course, um, and even with this dinner again that's not something you have to do but i think it just speaks to who you are
0: um, oh, well wow.
1: okay. congrats on all the
0: success you've had with the show and keep it going man all right man i appreciate you all right um be back jacob Raptors.com. appreciate you all right we are going to take this break i've been your host will and you'll be listening to the raptor show on the sports radio network when we come back savannah hamilton have you checked out bet rivers yet download the bet rivers online casino and sportsbook app today get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options plus don't forget about brett rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service It's a whole new game with BetRiver's online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19+. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connext Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge.
3: Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Alish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Lou. We'll be joined on the line by Raptors sideline reporter Savannah Hamilton on the uh, second half of this program. Savannah, are you there?
3: Yep, I'm here. Well, I got you.
0: What's going on, Sav?
3: Not much. How are you, man?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The stress of uh, planning the, the this is like the most planning I put into anything. Um, we have like 20 people coming to this uh, thank you dinner, um, so you know, this is, uh, the, the, all the stressful planning is done. You know, we, we, I got all the venues booked, everything like that. And, uh, looking forward to seeing you there, man.
3: Yeah. I saw the very formal invite and I was impressed. I won't lie. You got the, the party and the after party planned.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't sure people could make it, uh, if, if I didn't put in those TDC instructions or, or parking instructions, really treating yeah. this thing like it's a wedding or something. It's, it's, it's really just <laughs> a dinner and, and a karaoke. It's a very standard Friday. Um, yeah, Sev. Um, we 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 you know I st- I ended the the first segment with V on this um mm-hmm. but I guess I'll start it with you. Um so he, I asked him for one karaoke request cuz I just assumed he was coming um to the second portion of it and uh he's he asked for get getting jiggy with it. Um by Will Smith, which I'm very looking forward to seeing V perform both the the singing and the dancing to that one. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what what is your request? Perhaps something for, uh, for, from John Mayer or something from uh, Alicia Keys? You know, yeah, I,
3: you know I, I, you, as, well, I'm impressed that you remember that those are my two favorite artists because I normally would go with like no one from Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm, like that's mm-hmm. my belted out song. But yep. I think for the, the vibes just to up the mood in this case, I think I'm gonna go with the Earth, Wind, Fire, September.
0: Oh wow! Okay, Change it right. up. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. All right, this is this is this is great. I'm excited. Um,
3: <laughs> Countdown uh, to NBA training camp. What's that? Countdown this training camp in September.
0: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. No, this is. Uh, I'll, I'll be on vacation in September. I'm not gonna lie. So that's that's why I'm counting down September. Um, okay. So we we the first half of the program we we went through um, one half of the, my season-ending ten things column. Um, the second half. I want to get through here with you, Sav. and we'll start with uh, Fred Van Vliet, which, you know, it, honestly, this is one of those things where I, I thought I was being more balanced with it. But then when I read it back, I was kind of like, damn, like this, this, some of the stuff in here is just it's not looking pretty. Right. Like, I kind of highlighted a lot of the the shot, um, you know, performances like there's a four of 18. Um, there was a three of 14. There was a three of 15. There was another three of 15. There was a three of nine. There was a four of twelve. There was mm-hmm. seven of twenty-two. There was a five of twenty-five over two games against Boston. At the end of the season, uh, there was one of six in the fourth quarter in the playing game. And then I highlighted a couple more. Um, let it go, <laughs> man. I mean, damn. I'm sorry, Fred. But no, I mean, like, do you think it? Do you think it's too reductive to say that Fred's season really just came down to a lack of shot making?
3: Yeah. I mean, first of all, like the article that you wrote, I, I appreciated just how much details and depth that you went into it, because I think that that's where a lot of opinions get lost in. Like they get lost in opinions rather than facts and stats. And that's something that I always look towards. And so even though you're dropping all these numbers, they speak to the season and that's sure, exactly yeah. what kind of was like that, what was happening that we saw unfold before our eyes. And I think that was what Masai Jerry was even touching on, Um, in like the halfway mark after trade deadline, he was saying they were playing selfish basketball. And, you know, you can't have numbers like those. You straight up, like you can't be shooting one for 12 from three point land and you're, you know, the primary guard on the team and you lose to Boston Mm -hmm. and Boston's not even playing their starters. Like there's just some games that are, to be quite honest, like almost not excusable. And I'm not trying to pin this solely on Fred, of course. Like there's many other factors as as I listened to the first half of you guys talking and like, but you know, that, that's something that definitely stood out to me and like just actually like watching it and like thinking about the season back and like not just the stats that you pulled but also the games that those stats were in were mm-hmm. always like those nail biter games. So it, 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 you know, you make a great point and I, I I would have to double down on it.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I think the the context um of some of those games because I, I think that's where I sort of talked about like you know, um one or two more shots in a, in some of these games really could have been the difference between the Raptors making it in the play in or making it to the playoffs and um yeah, I mean, but I, th- I think ultimately the Raptors still do need um, guard play on this team. I think even, even despite some of the the lopsided shooting numbers, like the the Raptors, when Fred VanVleet was on the floor, uh, it was a team best plus 195. Like no one else won their minutes more than when Fred was on the floor for the Raptors. And I think what that, my takeaway from that is they clearly need somebody to play in that role, but ideally they, they either need Fred to play a lot better in that role or for someone to upgrade and come into that spot. And play the role of a lead guard um, but bring better production than sort of what Fred did this season I mean I guess the big question all season has been like are you resigning him and and, and sort of what's it mm-hmm. going to cost and, and and if not what are you doing um, I think relatively in terms of what it's going to cost we have some kind of idea you know we we, we saw the you know the, kind of the discussion but also the very public denial from Fred that you know four years 114 was never actually officially offered but you know, I think it would probably come around that figure where the, the salary lands around 30000000 million. Um, he'll probably be looking for max years. Maybe, you know, if you can cut that a little bit shorter um, to two or three, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see if that discussion goes anywhere. Um, but ultimately, if they don't bring him back, Sav, like, do the Raptors have other options?
3: I think that's, that's the biggest question right there. And this is where Masai Jury makes his money and Bobby Webster, for that matter, um, because the options are slim. Like free agency is different, right? Like, you know, there's also a lot of trades that could happen in the league. We don't know what the league's going to look like um, even like in a, in a month from now after all the movements done and stuff like that. But like in terms of Fred Van Bleet, like, you know, I think that's like the, the rock and the hard part. How much of an upgrade can we get? And like, let's be realistic, because you know, obviously, there's a lot of trade rumors about you know Damian Lillard, and wouldn't that be nice? But yeah. you know, just being realistic with like money and value, and then also like what what the upgrade could be. Like right currently, right now, like who are the guards on the free free agency market outside of him that are what you would say on paper an upgrade? Yeah, like, right? like it's Kyrie, kind of for
0: example. But like,
3: well, it, a, well the don't I, is have, that an upgrade though? Like, you don't even have of, cap like, space. With, let's talk about locker room culture. Like, oh yeah, that too. That's that's what I that's the first thing I think of in that's that fair. case. And don't get me wrong, I love Kyrie's game.
0: Everyone loves um, Kyrie's game. You can't love basketball exactly. not love Kyrie's game. But
3: exactly. Yeah. Well, we saw him like even that that was a game, right? The one he was playing for Brooklyn. Brooklyn was in Toronto, and he hit that game winning shot. Like right, yeah. I think it might have even even been right above Fred.
0: It was like it was yeah. right above Fred. I remember that play <laughs> parody, very distinctly. Yeah. Yep.
3: So so that's like that's that's one of those things where it's like okay, well, you know, Kyrie aside. Who else, you know, like it would be mm-hmm. nice to, you know, think about other guards, like, like, like say if a Jalen Brunson was on the market right now, like that would be a cool upgrade potentially if like on court wise, statistic wise. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's not the situation that we're in. And I don't think Fred himself is exactly happy with the numbers that he put up this year as these are some like of his career lows. Yep. Um, and so, so it, yeah, it's a rock and hard spot really
0: for sure. Um, yeah, and, and the one thing I, I would find promising is that after Yacoproto arrived, Fred Van Vliet's average in assists rose to 8.6 per game. Like, that's really good, and I feel like clearly there was more of a pick-and-roll presence um, when you had the other part of it, which is a big who can screen effectively and, and dive um, the way Yak did. So I think that did help stabilize things. I still foresee this, and I've thought about this all season. It's just the Raptors don't have other great alternatives, so it's not necessarily just like we got to get rid of them. I think it's like, what do you replace him with? And I don't really see that mm. path. So I still think the Raptors ultimately resign him, but uh, I, I would be leery to give him the full four years, um, especially I, with some of the performances dipping. Yeah,
3: I think though, like a a big X factor with resigning Fred too is also the coach that you bring in and mm, what the okay. new coach's visions could be for Fred's role, right? Like. He might not have, like, potentially – I don't want to say as long of a leash because he's still an all-star, mm-hmm. but, like, they might want to use him in a different capacity and maybe play him directly exactly to what, what was working, to your point, in the pick-and-roll situation with Jakob Erdl, too. So, like, there's that factor as well.
0: Yeah. No, sometimes, you know, for, like, one example, like, I, I watch, like, Mike Conley for the Timberwolves, and, and, you know, he's the one, like, really studying presence and, and he looks really calm and making the right passes. And, and every time he scores, it feels really impactful – now, obviously, that team's very different because mm-hmm. um, they have two, like, certified scorers in Cat and Anthony Edwards who can – maybe they're not always consistent because they're young right now, but they're definitely very capable scorers. But you, you do feel like that kind of balance of, like, that floor leader really does seem to really um, be a mold that I actually wouldn't mind watching on this team either. Um, a- another guy who could just take over, like, let's say, for example, Fred left. I mean, you would assume the point guard uh, responsibilities would fall to to Scotty. Now, my headline for this was just, like, I didn't think Scotty had the breakout year that, you know, the front office was expecting. I think the plan yeah. coming into the year was Scotty's going to take a next step forward. Scotty even talked about it preseason. He was like, my goals are to make an all-star. My goals are to make, you know, um, an all-defensive team. I mean, I, I, obviously those things aren't really happening. But I think overall, like, the idea was the front office thought Scotty would take another jump and that it would sort of drag the Raptors with them. I didn't really think that that happened. And I think it was kind of... A really strange year, right? You think about, like, at the start of it, even before any games were played, Nick Nurse was talking about the biggest challenge for Scotty this season is going to be bringing the same joy and the same enthusiasm as he had last season and and sort of not treating it like a job. And then you had, like, you know, Masai fly out to Brooklyn to deliver hard truths to him. You know, you had Mm -hmm. Thad talk about, well, you know, he might be in a sophomore slump, but also at the same time, saw also how, you know, those two kind of got into it before a game where the Raptors beat Portland in Toronto. Um, you saw Fred kind of call him the golden child. Like, it, it was really an up and down sort of thing for him. The good thing was, I thought, second half of the season, he really stabilized, and I I felt like he was a bigger part of the on-court play, both offensively and defensively. Um, but at the same time, I think what the Raptors are really looking for is to take another step forward. Like, I thought he was able to get back to last year's level pretty effectively, but mm-hmm. can he get to the next step? And I I feel like, Sav, like, that's got to be the biggest question. Like, how do the Raptors get... Scotty Barnes to the level that we all see the talent, but can he do that consistently?
3: I think what happened this year um, from just like just pure observation on my end has just been, I feel like maybe it was something to do in the off season, maybe him attacking his training or something different. And don't forget even the off season is his first off season as a rookie going into a sophomore. So this is like a rookie off season still that he had last summer. And so I don't know if he, understood the pressures or quite quite wanted to um uh, not wanted to but like more so rose to the occasion of us of a second year player and so I think that by the time season started it almost felt like he was catching up to where he was last year and then it almost like you're catching up from behind mm-hmm, and so the sure. time that you are in the spot where you kind of were last year playing with a lot more of that Um, passion, playing a lot more of that effectiveness, really, Um, you know, it was already January, January, basically just past January, like just a few days in. And so I think that's kind of what we saw. So instead of building on last year, it was getting to where you were before. And now we're like, okay, okay, you got to where you were before, can you build now? And so I think that's where the biggest like question mark is going to be this off season. And I have a feeling that, you know, he's going to work a lot harder this season. He even talked about it in the post game or sorry, post presser of the postseason, um, And he, he talked about the fact that like, it was a big mentality shift for him. And so that's something that he's working on immediately this summer. And so mm-hmm. that's something that he's like um, going to be focusing on. And I, I think, I, I think I believe him. Like, I honestly think that that's going to be a point of emphasis because I think he learned the hard way a little bit this season that you can't come in I don't want to say not ready, but you can't come in and expect the production of last year to translate into this season type of thing. So um, I think, and that's why I asked him also in that same presser, I asked him like, do you feel any pressure? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's one thing to have a rookie of the year season. Okay, great. That kind of saved you for the second year. And then it's another thing to have to you, to you going into your third year. Cause now, now you're a player. Like now you are fully like, You you are have you have expectations to perform on a night to night basis now as a third year player like there's no more sophomore slump there's no more protecting the kid there's no more nothing like there's it's just can you perform yes or no and so that's why I had to ask him about the pressure and and then you know so that's why he addressed it and I think you know if he's if he's serious and I I know he is you know he's gonna he's gonna come out a lot harder I believe this offseason and put a lot more uh, tact into his training.
0: Yeah, no, I have I have full confidence. And and I think that, like, two things can be true at once, right? Like, um, maybe the training that he did last season, I don't doubt that he worked, um, but the training that he did last season, was that specific enough? Was that tailored enough to what the upcoming roles and the responsibilities that were going to be on him this season? And then, yeah. you know, can you adapt that as well? Because I, I, I do think that that is sort of, what The new coach is going to be in for define everyone's role so everyone knows what they can work on in the summertime and so they can come back fully knowing what their roles are going to be and being able to step into those with no sort of like uh grand you know allure of i might be this or i might be that i actually really just want to come in and hear next season players come in and be like i want to be the best in my role like i don't yes. want to hear, i honestly don't want to hear so much like i want to be top five or i want to be all star or i want to be all defense like no actually i really I just want to see like everyone know their roles, work towards them this summer and then come back and be more cohesive because I, I, I do believe in the talent. Everyone believes in the talent. It's just yeah. sort of about like needing that to happen right away. And look, obviously with a young player, you can only go through these experiences um, with them, right? Like you can't accelerate any of this kind of stuff. But at yeah. the same time, you know, obviously only, um... you, you want to win. So you you need this to happen right now. Yeah.
3: My only caveat, though, with with the whole knowing your role thing is that sometimes I wonder if, if a guy that knows his role, sure, he gets really good at his role, but does that allow any room for growth? Yeah, Can he fair. expand his role once he's mastered his role? Or is he forever going to be stuck in that place? And, like, and what does that service the individual player? I know, sure, as a team, you might be getting results but like and then that's kind of the the fork in the road that I see with like players like I don't mind players having ambitions and goals and wanting to expand their game. I actually I think it's a sign of a of a good hungry ambitious team. Yeah. I think it's the fact that like this team in particular like I think there might have been individual I don't want to say um maybe individual, like, goals or incentives that didn't align all together. It didn't mm. come together. Right. Um, but I'm not mad at players for having them because, you know, if I when like, even to like, back in my days when I was a player, like, you know, yeah. I wanted to be the best in my position. I wanted to be a lead rebounder in the in the league. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that, like, and stuff like that. And you, that's not oftentimes vocalized to media, but in this case, like, early in the season it was. But that that being said, like, you know, what's wrong with, you know, kind of wanting to also dip into a little bit of scoring at times and dip into this or dip into that because, you know, what's going to... Like, you don't know how high your ceiling is if you're never allowed the opportunity to even, like, try a different direction.
0: Yeah, no, that's completely fair. That's why we need a true Hooper like you on the show
3: <laughs> every week.
0: Um, Savannah, I appreciate you. I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to you know, seeing you Friday. And, yeah, yeah just yo. thank you for, you know, all the all the appearances you made on this program. We're going to reward you with one singular dinner. So um, I hope you really
2: enjoy <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's it no man thank you so much you guys like have a- just an awesome show I-, I know i expressed that to you but all uh, you know i'm gonna say it on air as well like i appreciate everything you guys do for the game and for the raptors community wow. in-, in canada
0: all right that's dope all right um that does it for us today i've been your host well and you've been listening to the raptor show on the sports radio network make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show Still above Draypod. I just checked this morning. Someone actually wrote in a specific review, putting us p- above the Draymond show. So, uh, congrats to that person. Um, anyway, yeah, thanks to uh, Vivek Jacob and Savannah Hamilton for joining us on the program. Thanks to pro producer Derek Brandale, Danielle Gauthier filling in for Jennifer Olnick with we'll the YouTube stream, and me and Alex will be back on the show tomorrow.